0: All right, good morning, everyone. If you are one of our firemen, uh, first responders, police officer, EMT, or former military, would you stand up for me this morning? I, I know you don't like to be singled out, but do you mind standing up, Brian? You better stand up. I see you. Let's give these guys a big round of applause. Thank you so much. We are so thankful uh, for your service, and and honestly, guys, whenever we think about when I think about stuff like that, when you think about uh, the, the courage and bravery it takes to be a fireman, because I, I, I'm friends with a lot of these firemen, so I talk to them all the time. Um, and, and, and the things that they have to go through and the things they have to do, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And it's one of those things. It's something that we can all look up to. Um, and I also think it has a lot to do with our spiritual life. Like this is something, whenever, whenever a fireman sees something like that, and, and some of the amazing stories that you hear from 9-11 were whenever you see an airplane go into a building and, and someone's first response is, let me run in there, right? Everybody else is saying, let me get as far away from that as possible. And, and some of these police officers and firemen, their first response was to run in. And um, that's exactly what God has called us to as Christians, right? We live in a world that's dying and broken, and, and our first response should not be, let me hide from everybody else, our first response should be, "Let me run in there, let me go after this and so um, so i 'm really thankful to all of our all of our first responders and, and all that you do for us. Um, today, we are going to get into the word uh, I thought it was I thought it was funny earlier. Um, this is just kind of how my brain works. It's not good. I I don't have a great brain, but, um, Bobby got up and he was greeting everybody and and he was trying to get us all pumped up and, and he wants us to, to, to cheer and and be excited at the end of that, at the end of that moment. And he said, some of y'all were cheering yesterday louder than this at football. And he forgot that a lot of you guys were Alabama fans and you weren't cheering at all. So I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right off the bat for Bobby. He wasn't, he's an Auburn fan. He wasn't thinking about you guys. Um, and uh the Auburn game was so good last night that I fell asleep and did not watch it um all right so today we are going to get into the word this I promise this is going to be the last message in this series I promise I I have stretched this series out longer than I've stretched any other series out um so if today is your first day with us um, ...you're getting the very end. You're getting the very end of the message series, um, and if you've been with us for a while, then you, you're, you're finally getting to the end. You're finally done, and I'll shut up talking about this. I'll move on to something else. So, um, so today we're going to continue our series called Anointed, and the whole idea behind this series is um as I was as I was reading through the Bible, and you you know how you do, and and um you get to Luke chapter four, and in Luke chapter four we have this verse, verse 18 that we've all been saying together. And Maddie, do I have Luke 4 18? I do have it. Um I'm not gonna read it out of my Bible or off my paper because last time y'all made fun of me and you said I had the wrong version. So I'm gonna read the same version that's on the screen. Because yeah, yeah. I got it wrong. I got it wrong right here again. So let's just read it right off the screen here. We're going to read this first part. Everybody read this together with me. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me... To bring good news to the poor. We're going to stop right there. Um, One of the things that we talked about, and we'll mention this again in the message, is the idea of the Holy Spirit has anointed each and every one of us. And, And one of the key words in this passage, in this verse, is the word to. Right? He has anointed us to, which means there is purpose behind the anointing. And so the whole message series we've been talking about is, what does the Holy Spirit want to do In you and through you, because there's an anointing on your life from the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Not just to get goosebumps, not just to feel good, but there is something that God wants to do in us and through us. And so um, so that's what this whole series has been about. And today we're going to finish that up um, by talking about the gifts we're going to talk about the gifts, and this is a term that we, um, that we talk about in church a lot, and we'll get into that in just a second. But first, uh, le- let me just say this. A couple of things that I feel like are necessary in the church today. Um, if, you, if you look throughout churches uh, around the world right now, you look at what different people are doing. Yeah, they got it going on upstairs. Those kids are thumping, man. FYI, if you're new with us today, I'm apparently very ADD, and so I struggle to stay focused. Um, I'm either going to hear the kids, I'm going to think of something funny in my head, and um, so I'm I'm not great at staying on topic, but we're going to try real hard. But a couple of things that I feel like the church needs today, besides soundproof walls, the church needs a focus and a foundation on God's Word. Now, now you may say, well, yeah, that's pretty obvious, but all you got to do is look around the church around the world and look at what a lot of people are believing. And there's a lot of preachers getting up and I'm not perfect, but, but there's a lot of preachers getting up on stages and they're preaching things that are not in God's word. They are twisting scriptures and they're they're twisting and and, and, uh, manipulating the word of God to fit their agenda. And that's just not what we need. We need a foundation of God's word in our life in the church today. And the second thing we need is we need the freedom that comes from and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We need that. We are in desperate need of that. And so those are two things that we need, and, and so that's why we're going to talk about this today. Because the Bible says that the, the Spirit of God manifests, which just means to, um, to, to show off, right? The Spirit of God reveals Himself, and, and He reveals Himself through what the Bible calls, Paul and Peter both say, the word gifts, through gifts of the Spirit, how many of you have ever taken a gift test? Who's taken a gift test before? Okay, three of us have taken a gift test before. The rest of you a bunch of liars. Um, you got the gift of lying. Um, so so there's, a, there's a gift test, right? And, and we take these gifts tests. And, and, and this is what the Bible talks about is, is the idea of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I, I want to get into this message today with an understanding that some of you have come from church backgrounds that more than likely abused the gifts of the Spirit of the spirit in order to manipulate people now there's some of you guys that came from a tough church background you came from a church background that talked about the gifts of the spirit and talked about the holy spirit but talked about it in such a way that it was manipulative and it was abusive and it was wrong and so our goal today or or maybe some of you came from a church background that completely avoided the subject altogether They pushed it off to a small group or they pushed it off to a special service and they completely avoided the idea of the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to do is we just want to be balanced in our approach and we want to be biblical in our approach. Because the fact is, if the Bible says it, then we need to acknowledge it. Even if it hurts my feelings, even if it goes against what I personally think, I need to acknowledge what the Bible says about the things of the Holy Spirit, right? I feel like that's important. I feel like it's important for me to do. And so so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to try to have a biblical, healthy view of what the Bible says. I also want to acknowledge today before we get into this, that some churches disagree with some of the things I'm going to say today. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. There are disagreements within the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that I'm not still a... A brother with with those guys. It doesn't mean that I don't love those guys and I don't appreciate those guys. It doesn't mean that that we can't still have fellowship. It doesn't mean that one person's going to heaven and one person's going to hell when it comes to some of these some of these disagreements that we're going to see in the scriptures today. Because some churches just disagree. As a matter of fact, we've had people uh, get mad at us at our church both ways because we try to be fairly balanced in our approach to the to the things of the spirit. And and I've had people tell me before that I was I was. Um, Well, they said I was too Pentecostal for the Baptist... And they left. They just said, this church is too Pentecostal. you got too much Holy Spirit stuff, and they've left the church. And now I've had other people tell me that I'm not Pentecostal enough. And, I, and, and, and then they wanted to leave. And so the old saying is, you're too Pentecostal for the Baptists, and you're too Baptists for the Pentecostals. And that's somewhere where we are right now. You know, that's where we find ourselves as a church. And, and, and so my goal today is not to reach one group or the other group or not make one group happy and the other group sad. My, my goal today is just to see what the Bible actually says and then live according to that. And if it makes you happy, great. If it makes you sad, sorry. Um, But this is what our goal is today. So can we all kind of agree on that today? That we're going to just go by what the Bible says and not worry about anything else? Okay, good, good. All right, so first of all, uh, again, there may be some of you guys that when I talk about the gifts of the Spirit, that's a little foreign to you, so let's talk about what the gifts are. What are the gifts of the Spirit? Um, I'm going to give you three chapters that that you, can, that you can read out of. So if you're taking notes today, write these three chapters down. I want you to go back. You can check these out later, um, whenever you leave here today. Romans chapter 12, not the whole thing, we're going to read a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, when Paul was writing, he knew to put the chapters uh, at the same so everybody would know where to find stuff. Just kidding, that was a stupid preacher joke. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter chapter 4. These are four places where Paul and Peter are going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. They use that term. So let's look at Romans 12 real quick. Romans 12, 4 through 8. The Bible says this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Everybody say special function. That's important to know. So it is with Christ's body. We are are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Okay, so remember that, that each and every one of us are a part of the body. Each part of the body has a special function. Remember that the ear does not do the same thing that the big toe does, but they are both very valuable, right? I would not want to have anyone cut off my ear or my big toe. I like both of them, right? But they all have their special functions, and so we need to understand that. In his grace, God has given us different gifts, there's that word gifts, for doing certain things well. I like Paul's very practical approach here. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve serve them well. If If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So we hit... A couple of different gifts. I'm going to give you a list of them in a second. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this. Now there are varieties, varieties, multiple varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So one spirit, varieties of gifts. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation, there's that word manifestation, of the Spirit for the common good, right? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. And according to the same Spirit, um, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish or discern between Spirits. Uh, To another various kinds of tongues, and to the other interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Last one, I promise. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given, this is Peter talking, not Paul. The other two were Paul talking. Uh, this is Peter. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Do you see a theme here? There is a variety of spiritual gifts, there's a variety. So I'm going to give you a list, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that we can contain the Holy Spirit to just one list of spiritual gifts because both Paul and Peter say there's a variety, man. In other words, there is a multitude of gifts that God has that he wants to use. He wants to give you right. There's a variety. And so here's what he says. Use them well. To serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping, uh, helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. So let me just run through a quick list and and a general understanding of these. You don't have to write all these down. I can give you the list later if you want it. Um, But here's what these three passages go to say. They talk about prophecy a lot. You're going to hear prophecy come up quite a bit. As a matter of fact, um, the, the term prophecy just means to be able to hear from God and speak what you heard. Now, sometimes we see in the Old Testament guys called prophets right and and, and so the prophets a lot of times heard from God and they spoke and and you would see a lot of futuristic things so they're they're prophesying they're talking about the future but that doesn't necessarily mean that that the gift of prophecy means you're always going to be speaking the future sometimes all it means is I hear from God and what I hear I speak out it's very simple it doesn't have to be complicated all right so that's the gift of prophecy serving just means you serve listen there's some people that are really good at leading and there are some people that are really good at serving, right? There is a gift of serving. Now, I know there's some of y'all, I couldn't get you to serve for nothing. Not because you're lazy, but you're such a leader that if I put you on a team underneath somebody, you would take over within five minutes, right? So, so there's some, Anna is getting pointed out right now, yeah. And, and so... So there's some people that just have that. There's other people that just have this gift of serving, and they can jump in. They don't want anybody to to ask them what to do. They want people to tell them what to do, and they can jump on a team, and they can make things happen, right? Serving is a very important thing. Teaching. Some people have the gift of teaching. My wife is an excellent teacher. Everywhere she goes, she has the ability to teach. She's been in multiple schools and does a great job at every school she goes to. She's got this gift for teaching, but... She doesn't want to get up on stage and preach, although she will at the end of October. Um, I just had to throw that in just to remind you. You tell me to remind you, I'm reminding you. October 30th, you're going to be on stage. Um, So the gift of teaching, the gift of encouraging or exhorting is just this idea that you you have this gift, this ability. Have you ever met somebody that is just every time you get around them, they are always encouraging you and lifting you up and and helping you out? Don't you don't you love those kind of people? I love those kind of people. I'm not one of those kind of people. I'm the opposite of those kind of people. Um, I'm usually making jokes. So then there's the gift of giving. And this doesn't mean like just on Sundays that you throw some, some, some money in the drop box. The gift of giving is special. It's a unique thing. Um, I like to tell this story that, that when my parents were poor in, in college and they had a, my parents didn't do it right. Now, now, they didn't do it in sin, but they didn't do it right. They, they started their family way the wrong way. So my mom and dad were both in school, in college, when they got married. And within two years, they had a baby. So here my parents are, in college, with a baby, trying to make things work. Dad's working multiple jobs. He had one job where he's having to work... Two shifts every night. He's, he's working double shifts every night just to try to make ends meet. And they were struggling. And so he would drop out of school for a semester and work and try to get back into school. And it was just chaos at the house. And, and so the story goes that they, my mom gets up one morning to fix breakfast. Uh, my brother was a baby. And she goes into the kitchen. And when she goes into the kitchen, the only food item in the house was a jar of jalapenos. That was it. That's all they had. They were poor. They were, they were dirt poor. They didn't have enough money to spell out poor. They were just po. Just that's it. Just two. they didn't have the other or on there. And so my mom gets out the jar of jalapenos and she begins to pray. And she just says, God, you got to do something like if if you can't provide food for us, then if you're not going to provide food for us, then I need you to teach me how to make these jalapenos in a way that I can give them to my baby. Right. Right. That's how, that's my mom's mindset. It's awesome. When my parents when my parents were um, They were making $100 a week. No. Is that right? I think $100 a week, $100 a month, something like that. Not a lot of money. I think they were making $100 a week somewhere. Now, my parents decided to tithe tithe on $200 even though they weren't making it. So they were tithing $20 a week. They were making $100 a week. They tithe $20 a week because their mindset was we just have faith to believe that one day God's going to give us $200 a week. And so we're going to go ahead and start tithing on it now. That's the kind of mindset my parents have, right? So my parents, my mom's praying. She's praying over these jalapenos. God, make it work. And as she's praying, there's a knock at the door. She opens up the door. There's one of their friends that was a college student. And he comes in with bags and bags of groceries. And not only does he have bags and bags of groceries, he has the exact ...type of formula... ...and you, you moms... ...dads, you don't understand this... Um, well, ...we probably don't understand... ...I don't understand this... ...but moms understand that babies need specific types of formula... ...right? ...and if you don't have their type... ...then they get stomach aches and whatever... ...and they throw up everywhere, I don't know... Um, ...but this, this guy comes in with the exact right kind of formula... ...the exact right kind of food... ...all of my brother's favorite things... ...or my parents' favorite things... ...he's got all the groceries laid out... ...this is what is called the gift of giving... Why? This guy's walking through a grocery store and God says, I want you to buy groceries for Mike and Sue. And so he says, OK. So he's going down the aisle. And as he goes down the aisle, he would look on that. He didn't know what to buy him. He's going down the aisle. He look on the aisle. He say, all right, get that, get that, get that. And he started just grabbing stuff. As the Spirit led him. This is a gift of giving. It's not just throwing money in a bucket somewhere. It is a specific, unique moment where God has ordained for you to give. One time, um, one of us, uh, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Perry and I one time, just had this, we felt this um, compelling need to give a family $100. So, I mean, that's not, it, nowadays terms, $100 isn't a lot. And so we gave this family $100, and what we didn't realize was this family was down. To their last hundred dollars and they needed some money to be able to buy groceries that day we didn't realize that and we were able to give that why because that was a gift of giving it wasn't a lot but it was exactly what God wanted to do in that moment there's a gift of leadership some people have that where where they can just lead they can take over and, and run something the gift of kindness the gift of wisdom uh, wisdom just means to, to have wisdom in a unique situation to know exactly what to do in a, in a situation one of the things we, um, some people asked me one time, they, uh, not too long ago, uh, Josh and Kaylee, Kaylee does this thing where she draws a, a name out of a jar and that's the person she prays for that week and she drew my name out of the jar and so she, uh, she and Josh texted me and said, hey, what can we be praying with you guys about? And I was like, hey, I need wisdom, I need wisdom, but I don't need intelligence Right. I mean, I know I don't have a lot of that. I know I need it, but I don't need intelligence in this moment. I need wisdom. I need something that's that's above me. I need I need wisdom that only God could give me to help me navigate the waters that I'm trying to navigate right now in church. I need God's wisdom. It's a a unique wisdom. There's knowledge. It's unique information. Remember the story of Jesus. Uh, Maybe you don't remember, but there's a story where Jesus goes to get water out of a well. And as he's he's there, this woman comes up. And when the woman comes up, they begin this long conversation. And in their conversation, Jesus tells her, uh, he, he begins to read her mail is what people say. He says to her, he says, look. You need to go uh, get your husband. And, and she says, I'm not married. He says, you're right, you're not married. You're living with a guy. You've been married five times, and the guy you're living with isn't your husband right now. Jesus had this, this information that God had given him, and sometimes we need knowledge. Um, there's, there's the gift of faith. The gift of faith is to be able to see and act on something that, that, that's not even there. The gift of healing. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. People get healed. The gift of miracles, it's kind of a catch-all term for anything miraculous that can happen. The gift of discernment, to be able to distinguish what's God and what's not God. The the gift of tongues, the Bible says, is a a variety of tongues, a, a variety of languages that can be spoken, interpretation to understand languages. The gift of speaking, to be able to get up and speak. And finally, the gift of helping is very similar to the gift of serving. I just need to point out today that the gifts are given at the discretion of the giver. The Holy Spirit decides who to give the gift to and in what situation to give the gift to. The gift doesn't necessarily mean it's always permanent on your life for every situation. I find it interesting that Paul, the Bible says, healed lots of people. Gift of healing. And yet he had to tell his protege, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake because you're sick all the time. Why didn't he just heal him? I don't know. I don't understand how those gifts work all the time, but for whatever reason, it worked at certain points and didn't, didn't operate because of the will of God in his life. So what are the, the points of the gifts? So number one, those are the gifts. Number two, the gifts are to be given away. This is a common theme. In Romans 12, it says we belong to each other, serve each other well, teach each other well. Romans 12 says that the, Spirit is for the, the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. 1 Peter 4 says, use them well to serve one another. Luke four eighteen. this is a verse we've been quoting. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In other words, there's a purpose behind every gift and that purpose is not for you and I to look good. That purpose is not for me to get on TV. That purpose is not for me to write a book. That purpose is not for us to have goosebumps and feel good. That purpose is not for us to have a longer service. The purpose of the gifts is to be a blessing to each other. So if God gives you the gift of helping, it's not for you to sit on your pew and talk about, ooh, I got the gift of helping. It's for you to help somebody. If God gives you the gift of giving, it's for you to give. If God gives you the, uh, the, the gift of healing, it's for you to pray for somebody that needs healing. So the gift is in you for a reason. As a matter of fact, the verse we shared last week, um, it, last Wednesday night, Genesis twelve two says this, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Listen, the whole reason God blesses us is so we can turn around and be a blessing to someone else. The illustration I gave last week was that my mom had a box of gifts in the closet. And anytime I needed to give a teacher gift, my mom would reach into that box of gifts. She would take out a teacher gift. She would give it to me and I would go give it to the teacher. My mom was the one that provided the gift. I was just the vessel that carried it to the person that needed it. The same is true with the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. The Holy Spirit has the gifts. He gives me the gift for this moment. I take that gift to someone else. Does that make sense? It's for other people. The third point today is that gifts are needed now more than ever before. The gifts are needed now more than ever before. Some people want to argue and and have a disagreement, and this is a common disagreement, that the gifts are dead, that they died off with the apostles. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard that, that the gifts are no longer in existence um, because when the apostles, when Peter and James and John and all those guys died, that the gifts died with them. But, but the fact is like, the Bible doesn't necessarily hold up to that, right? It doesn't hold up to that. So I'm not saying anybody that disagrees with me is, is terrible or bad. I'm just saying biblically I can't find your argument very well, right? And so, so here's what, what I think. I think the gifts are necessary for today. When the gifts first appeared in the Bible, the apostles, the disciples were being persecuted. They were being hunted down. But they had this goal of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. They had this goal of sharing the gospel throughout the world. Listen, are we not living in a terrible time right now? Turn on the news channel. I don't care what your favorite news channel is. Turn on CNN. Turn on Fox News. And no matter what you turn on, you're going to find a lot of bad stuff. We live in a pretty jacked up world. The Bible says that the earth at the end times, the earth itself will begin to groan. All you got to do is look at what the earth itself is doing. Don't even worry about the people. Look at the earth itself famines and droughts. Isn't it wild that we'll have drought in one part of the country and flooding in another part of the country? It's amazing to see what's happening in our world today. We need the gifts of the Spirit operating in us because we got lots of people that need to hear about Jesus. We need the gifts. Here's the a couple of things that I think. I think most people don't have a problem with the gifts. I think they've got a problem with certain gifts, right? Because if you ask a preacher, if that preacher says the gifts died out with the apostles, but you ask him, well, Mr. Preacher, what about the gift of giving? That guy is going to back up real quick, right? I don't know one preacher in town that's going to tell you, don't worry about giving. We don't need giving died with the apostles. No, 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 no. Every one of them takes up an offering in their service every Sunday morning. Right? Every preacher wants to talk about the gift. They're fine with the gift of teaching. Because why? Because they get up and teach. So so it's not a problem with the gifts. It's a problem with certain gifts. And and, and I separate them out in the idea of ministry-type gifts, leadership, teaching, serving, giving, and miraculous gifts, healing, tongues, prophecy, miracles. So what people have a problem with is they've got problems with things that they feel like they can't control. They got problems with things that that to them may seem a little bit scary or embarrassing because the gift of teaching, it could just be good skill. The gift of giving, well, it's just putting a dollar in the bucket. No, 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 it's got to be more than that. It's got to be spirit-led. So a couple of things I want to tell you about this, that, that why I feel like the gifts didn't die. First of all, there's no expiration date on the gifts. How many of you, whenever you go to the grocery store and you buy milk, who digs around to find the longest expiration date possible? Yep, me too. Me too. I'm a big, like, if milk even looks funny to me, I will pour it out. Like, I, I do not play with milk. I don't like to play with milk. When I go to the grocery store, I know they put the, the earliest date f- up front. So I'm pulling out just jugs of milk. I'm getting to the very back jug, right? And I'm getting to the very back jug. As a matter of fact, one day I went to the grocery store. I opened up the door, and I didn't realize this, but there was a man behind the jugs of milk. Did y'all know that people hide back there? And he was back there, and he was actually putting out the jugs. And I reach in, and I see this hand. I went, ah, real fast. You know, it just scared me because I thought I was being attacked. By the milks, and um, I wasn't, obviously I'm still here, but it scared me, it scared me. As a matter of fact, I, this, is, this is bad, so those of you that are home folks, you know, like those of you who have been here for a while, you know this, but if you're new today, I'm going to just tell you this story, because you don't know this story, but when I had COVID, I did not realize the, the variety of ways that it cut out, like, my senses, And so one of the varieties of ways that cut out my senses is there are certain things I can't smell and taste. Not all things, not all things, just certain things, right? Toothpaste, smells terrible to me. Bananas, still can't stand the smell of bananas. I don't know why, I love bananas, can't stand the smell. But guess what left me? You know what left me? What left me was the smell of rotten milk. That's right. And the taste of rotten milk. Both of them left me at the same time. So we got this milk in the fridge and I'm steady, putting it in my cereal, eating it. I'm drinking the, I'm drinking the milk. Colt gets up one day. He's fixing breakfast. He pours some milk in his bowl and he says, Dad, this milk tastes funny. I said, no, the milk is fine. I smelled it this morning. I I ate it this morning. I drank it this morning. It's good. Just eat. You know, I thought he's just trying to get away with not eating his food. I said, eat your food and stop complaining. So Colt eats a whole bowl of this milk. And then the next day, Colt's like, Dad, I'm telling you, this milk is really bad. And I said, just drink the milk and stop arguing with Dad about this. I smelled the milk. The milk smells fine. And then it hit me. What if you can't smell milk? And I said, you know what? Let's take this milk to your mother. So he takes it to Perry and Perry smells it and it was absolutely rotten. And I thought like, I thought milk's not supposed to have chunks in it, but I didn't care because at the time I didn't bother me, (laughs) but it was bad and poor Colt had to drink rotten milk and he's a little lactose intolerant, so I'm sure that didn't help, probably didn't help. Expiration dates are important, but the gifts don't have one. And here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. Peter's preaching, and Peter says this Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 For the promise is for you. That's great. That's great. So the promise is for you. But then he goes on to say, And for your children. Now, look, if you go into the Greek and you try to understand what he's saying, The word children there has nothing to do with me and Colt. The word children there means descendants. He didn't put it on one generation or two generations. He put it on all generations. Peter did not put an expiration date on the gift. He says it's not only for you and your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. So there's no expiration date on the gifts. There's also a verse sometimes people like to quote, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And they say, this says the gifts will die. So let's look at it real quick because we need to move on. It says, love never ends. Verse 8, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So what a lot of people like to say is they're saying that Paul in there is talking about the perfect means the New Testament. Guys, it doesn't make any sense. You know why? Because the first collection of the New Testament wasn't made for another 150 years after Paul wrote this. Then the first real New Testament wasn't put together for like another five centuries. Paul's not talking about the New Testament. As a matter of fact, when Paul penned this, the Gospels had not yet been written. John Mark had not written the book of Mark yet. He wouldn't write the book of Mark for another 20 years after Paul wrote this. Everywhere in the Bible where Paul talks about perfect or perfection... ...he's always talking about eternity in heaven. When someone says that this means the New Testament... I'm sorry, it just doesn't hold up to the fact that Paul never uses perfect to talk about the New Testament. He's always talking about the end times, about, about heaven and about um, eternity. So when Paul's saying, he's saying, listen, you need to understand something. The gifts will end one day. When you go to heaven, you won't need to prophesy because you'll have God right there. When you go to heaven, you won't need to heal anybody. Why? Because everyone's going to be healed. When you go to heaven, you won't need to encourage everybody. Why? Because the Bible says that God has already wiped away every tear, that we're going to be full of joy and happiness. So, so we won't need the gifts once we make it to heaven. Here's the thing that you need to understand. When Paul's talking about that, he is in a context of love. He's saying, listen, I get it. You've got the gifts. That's great that you've got gifts. But if you don't have love, the gifts are worthless. He says, focus on love and let love be the foundation. Let the fruits of the spirit be the foundation for every gift of the spirit. One of the things I want to just kind of throw in real quick, and then we're going to end. I've got one more good point that we're going to end with today. But I want to throw in one little thought, because what happens is, is people tend to get up here and they talk about gifts. And everybody, for the most part, is like, yeah, man, I hear you like Healing, okay. I can pray for someone to be healed. If they get healed, that's great. If they don't get healed, I get it, but I can do that. Prophecy, okay. I mean, I can hear from God, and I can speak out what I hear from God. I get it. Discerning of spirits, totally get that. I'm cool with that. Leadership, service, giving, cool with those. The one hang-up that we typically have in church is tongues. That's it. That's it. And and just the fact that I said that, and I see a lot of people going, "Yep, that's right," then I know that I'm I'm right on track. The one hang up is tongues. So let's talk about it. Like, why avoid it if it's in the Bible? Let's talk about it. Let's see what it says. Right. I've said this a lot. I I personally don't drink alcohol. I don't. I never have. I never will. At this point, even if you told me that God told me to drink alcohol, like it's a game at this point. Like I'm just not even going to do it, right? See, how long can I, can I die without ever drinking? Um, and so that's kind of my thing. I don't drink alcohol, but that doesn't mean that I can't, like I still have to acknowledge the fact that the Bible says that Paul told Timothy to drink wine for his stomach's sake. I have to acknowledge that. Does it, does it line up with my personal conviction of, for my life? No, but I got I've gotta acknowledge that it's in there. I've got to acknowledge that the Old Testament says that, that wine makes a, a heart merry. I've got to acknowledge that. So I'm telling you today, if you're coming in here and I said the word tongues and you immediately begin to shut down, here's what I need you to understand. Just because you may not understand or like something doesn't mean that you, you can't avoid it. You, I mean, you, that you can avoid it. You've got to acknowledge the fact that it's in the book. And we've got to see what it's all about. So the word tongues there, uh, when it's first mentioned, it it does talk about languages. And so um, something you need to understand when the Bible says it in Acts chapter two, when they first spoke in tongues, the Bible says there that they were speaking a language that other people understood. So that's. That's understandable. They were speaking another language. I told you guys last week the story of a a young lady that came down to Guatemala when I was a missionary kid. Um, She came down and she began to pray for someone. And as she prayed, she began to speak in Spanish. She never knew Spanish. All she knew was taco and baño. We said that last week. But that's the only Spanish word she knew. And she prayed in fluent Spanish over somebody. So we've got to, we got to understand that there is a place where tongues is a language. As, as a matter of fact, um, one of the cool things about tongues is tongues is the only gift that's listed in that list of gifts that blesses you, not other people. Now, when she was praying for that lady, obviously that lady was blessed because she understood the prayer. But for the most part, 1 Corinthians fourteen four, Paul says this. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. When you speak in a tongue, you build up yourself. Here's another thing. Is it a language or is it gibberish? Right? Is it a language or is it gibberish? We had a a guy come to church here and and speak for us one time. And and whenever he got up to speak in the middle of his message, he began to pray in tongues. And it sounded like gibberish. And I had some people come up to me immediately after service. Eyes about this big. What was that? You know, like, what was that guy doing on stage? And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Is it, is it a literal language? Is it gibberish? Because this is one of the arguments that we hear. As a matter of fact, um, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, the, the, the SBC, uh, at one point, I don't know if this is still true to this day, at one point had outlawed. They said, look, if you are a missionary, you can no longer be ordained through the SBC if you have a personal prayer language talking about tongues if you practice that you can't be with us and and they had this whole argument about because it's just gibberish it's not a real language and i found this article where another baptist guy is arguing against the baptist convention and this guy doesn't even really think that tongues are that the gifts are for today but he's arguing saying listen there's no proof that that the gibberish part isn't a language and so it's a really interesting thought Here's what what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 12.10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, we got all that, and to another various kinds of tongues. The word various kinds there means different species. Different species. In other words, it doesn't just mean different languages. It means different species, different types of speaking. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians three. One, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Now, we need to acknowledge that. Why would he say that? Why would he say that there is a tongue? There's a language of men. but There's also a language of angels. I'll tell you why. Because the ancient Jews believed that the angels had their own language. They had their own way of speaking. So there's got to be a place where we acknowledge the fact that tongues is mentioned in the Bible. Right? It's there. It, it's also meant to build us up. Paul calls it a personal prayer language, right? He says it's something that he does. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, and 19, it says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says, listen, you've got to understand what's best for the situation. The situation is when you speak in tongues, you build up yourself. He says, now, I I would rather not talk in tongues in church where people might be confused or misunderstand. He said, I would rather talk in a language that everybody would get. He says, but whenever I pray, I pray in tongues more than the rest of you. I think these are interesting thoughts. Now, some of you are like, I still don't care anything about tongues. That's fine. I don't, you're not hurting my feelings, right? I'm not preaching Gabriel's word. I'm preaching God's word. I just want us to acknowledge the fact that it's in the book all I ask you to do. Just acknowledge the fact that it's in the book, and then let's see where we go from there. Let's see what God might want to do. Okay, so let's end the message. I know you guys are tired of me talking about tongues. The fourth point is this. The gifts should be desired. The gifts should be desired. The gifts are something that you and I should pursue. Paul says it twice in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 14. In 1231 he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And in fourteen one, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I want you to notice he says pursue love first. We've got to have a foundation of fruit. But then he says, earnestly desire. That word earnestly desire means to boil over. It it, it means to be deeply committed to pursue something. It means to set your heart on something. It means to be completely intent on something. I had some people come up to me not too long ago, and they said, we really want to know what our spiritual gifts are. We really want to know what God is doing in us and through us. What's happening? They have this desire to pursue. For some of you, this may be totally foreign to you and you're thinking, man, I'm glad this is the last message. Here's what I say to you. Pursue. Not because I said so, but Paul said to pursue the gifts. Seek it out. See what God wants to do in you and through you. Begin to ask. We said this uh, the last couple of weeks. Jesus said whenever you pray, especially about the Holy Spirit, he says, ask, seek, and knock. Be persistent in your pursuit. For those of you that are sitting there and you're going, man, I love it. He's finally talked about tongues. He finally talked about healing. He he put it to everybody and said it's still for today. My question to you is, is your hardcore belief in the gifts theoretical or experiential? Is it theoretical? Is it just something that you know in the back of your head that you believe, but you don't put it into practice? So for one one half of the room, I say pursue it. For the other half of the room, I say practice it. See what God wants to do in you and through you. I just feel like we live in a world that's fallen. We, We live in a world that's broken and we need God to move in us and through us. I want to close out today for real, close out. Ezekiel chapter 37. So in, in 1 Corinthians, the Corinthian church was really jacked up. Paul started this church, and then he had to start writing letters to them. As a matter of fact, we've got two letters in the New Testament, but um, most people believe there's a third letter that didn't get put in the New Testament that he wrote to the Corinthian church. They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of issues. And yet they had the spiritual gifts. But one of the things Paul notices, and you can tell in his writing, is that although they've got these gifts, they don't have them built on the foundation of love and the fruits of the Spirit. And so Paul's always trying to get people back into balance. He says, look, you guys are out of whack. You're not in balance. I'm trying to get you back into balance. And one of the things I think we forget sometimes whenever, whenever we see a church, let's say a, a Pentecostal-style church, They get so focused on the gifts, they forget that the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is here to transform our lives. If he doesn't transform your life, Paul says, all the gifts are just making noise. It's just making noise. If there's not transformation first. And so I found this this story in the Old Testament. I'm reading through Ezekiel right now in my personal reading, and And Ezekiel 37 talks about the Holy Spirit. And I just, I want to throw it at you today. I like this story. It's one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, Wednesday night, the little kids from um, Sozo, they sing a song about this story. It says this, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel writing. He's a prophet and a man of God. He says, "Um, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. So he's having a vision and it was full of bones, And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. In in other words, these bones hadn't been buried. These bones are just out and exposed to the sun. And it says, and they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. I like Ezekiel's answer. He's like, man, you're the only one that knows that answer. I don't know, man. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. So hear what I say and then speak it, right? Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath. The word breath there means spirit. I will cause the spirit to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I pro- and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, the rattling, a uh, uh, rattling and the bones began to come together bone to bone. And I looked and, and, and um, before I, and I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man and say to the breath thus says the lord god come from the four winds O breath that's the spirit and breathe on these slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army you know we can do a lot of trying to put ourselves together. We can do a lot of trying to get our life and make our life look like it's complete. We we can do a lot of things to try to feel complete in life, but we're never going to be completely transformed until the Spirit of God is breathed on us, until His Spirit moves in us and through us. And I love the fact that not only did the Spirit of God give them life, but it made them into an army. He gave them purpose. So what does God's spirit want to do for you today? He wants to give you life and he wants to give you purpose. Why don't you stand up with me this morning?